UFOs and the Bible. That's right, I said it, even though some may consider the topic as taboo. Over the past 15 years, governments have released military recordings of pilots engaging with UAPs. This defies every known technology to man, as well as operating in other dimensions beyond the known laws of physics and gravity. Additionally, there are testimonies by trained astronauts, verified abductions of humans, crop circles with substances not known to science, with results leaving trained professionals conceding there are no rational conclusions. The U.S. Congress has now admitted there are entities in the skies and the heavens of which we have no idea as to their origin. But how do we reconcile this with the Bible and Jesus Christ? Join us now as we unpack the facts right alongside His Word in UFOs and the Bible. How? I am Mark and you are listening to The Russick Outlook. As always, just my opinion. Hello, everybody. This is Mark from the Russick Outlook. Thank you so much for joining. Today's topic is going to be controversial, compelling, interesting, um, and and hopefully it'll cause you to shift your paradigm. What am I talking about? I'm going to break down UFOs and the Bible. I know it's something that may startle you or may make you go, where's he going? Um, But at the same time, it's become relatively mainstream in in terms of um, the the feasibility and the reliability of some of the information that's come forth, the credibility of some of the witnesses, uh, the fact that the United States government has held congressional hearings on this uh, just a little over a year ago, um, that they had posted and, and, and published or released published information from doctors, from scientists, uh, from astronauts, from researchers, um, from around the world, as well as mainly, you know, dealing with the United States as far as the U.S. congressional hearings. Um, There has been video releases of U.S. military pilots engaging some of these aerial phenomena, as they they call them UAP for unidentified aerial phenomena now. Um, So with with that being said, I wanted to investigate that and then look at that from the lens of Scripture. But the first half, I really would like to focus on all of the information that we know that we can consider at least moderately, if not emphatically credible. I, I say that up front because I know first, you know, I, I fully admit there's a bunch of information that it's that it was created or published or recorded or released by loons or people who were just looking for and seeking attention. There's obvious frauds, there's obvious things out there that, you know, you, you, you wouldn't even consider. That being said, however, there is all of this other information that I think at the very least is worth your consideration. So I wanted to break that down. I wanted to process that, have nothing to do with the Bible, just kind of, you know, release some of the, the known information of, uh, of what we can grasp and, and process and, as I said, give a fair to high degree of credibility so, you know, knowing that, then I will focus my attention to the Word of God. And the reason I do that is the Word, and I, I, I've said this time and time again, the Word is credible, the Word has been proven unquestionably to be factually, it's never been proven to be, any anything in the Bible has been proven to be wrong, um, but there's just such astronomical uh, mathematics when you start to break down the feasibility of some of the things that have happened, especially in, in the realm of prophecies. So the Word of God has been proven to be accurate, you know, and, and so if we're seeing these credible resources in science and the heavens and potentially beings from another planet, another galaxy, then I wanted to process that through Scripture. I did not and would not intentionally go, okay, well, how can I find the Scripture that, that lines up with the subject matter that we're talking about? Because I will do that at times, but with this, I, I, I didn't want to do that, but I did find scriptures that really made me think, and I think, I hope anyway, that it would cause you to pause and and see things from a little bit of a different skew or maybe a different lens or a different paradigm, and you're kind of, you know, tilting the glass. If you're a Christian and, and, you know, I know, you know, so many people, you've read a scripture, you've seen a scripture, you've heard a scripture time and time again, 5, 10, 20, 30 times over the years, and then all of a sudden you see something new. It jumps out at you. It it kind of startles you, and, and and that's the beauty of the Lord. There's just so much depth to His Word, and this happened to me. I was looking at some scriptures and go, whoa, I, I, I hadn't considered that. I hadn't looked at it this way. 
So I'm going to present that in the, in the second half of this. I'll be following this up uh, with another video. I'm going to do re- get into some of the recordings of, of, of some of the engagements that I talked about from these military pilots and a whole bunch of other information. But I first wanted to lay the groundwork. I wanted to lay the foundation, and, and, and I hope you'll enjoy it. I, I you know, I I, I I I was you know I was just kind of riveted and fascinated at some of this. So. Hopefully you'll feel the same. Before I forget, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the like and the subscribe button. If you appreciate information like this, it really helps us get out there and, and get move up in the, in the algorithm and the charts and the, and the search engines. Uh, whatever platform you're on, whether it's YouTube or, or we're now on Rumble and all of the podcast platform and Apple and Spotify and Google. So uh, I, I would ask if you wouldn't mind, subscribe, leave commentary, especially a subject like this. You have opinions, whether I agree with you or not, you know, it's, it's all good and it helps us process information. So please, by all means, do so. And then last, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind, I, I will ask you politely if you wouldn't mind uh, going to the Rustic Outlook and joining our email list. We notify you of new events and, and at times we do some Zoom presentations where we get to uh, engage with one another and, and glean from one another and pray for one another. Um, before I forget, if you need prayer for any reason, please don't hesitate. Uh, rusticoutlook at gmail.com. I'm happy to join in you with prayer for whatever your need is or, you know, whatever you're believing the Lord for. And, and Or if you don't know the Lord and you have questions about that, please don't hesitate. So let me get into this. Um, so as, as I said, it's UFOs and the Bible because the Word of God starts, you know, right there in the beginning— God, and it goes into, you know, getting into the creation and the heavens and the earth, and I'm not going to go down all of Genesis now, uh, although we, we will cover this in the next video, but how? How do you reconcile this? How do you, how do you wrap your head around, you know, what's going on and the timing of it now? How do we introduce potentially um, uh, beings from another planet or galaxy into the same room as Jesus Christ? So, you know that that that's really what it's all about for me. So that you know that's the question. How? So, let me get into this. I'm going to start with Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, if you're an American, you know that that's where the first reported sightings are. I don't want to break all of that down. There's so much information you can get into. You can find on your own. But there are so many questions and so many things that have never gone answered. And and I so that's why I'm starting there. Um, I will say that there's something very, very compelling that did happen after the Roswell, New Mexico incidents on July 4th. Nine months later, Al Gore was born. So I don't know if you knew that or not, but it is a fact and it's tongue in cheek. Yes, take it easy. But it did make me pause go, ooh. (laughs) So let me get back to this. Um, Rendlesham Forest, which is kind of the British equivalent to uh, to the incident in New Mexico, um, in December 26th and 27th, they had several different sightings tracked on radar by multiple units from different locations. Um, July 19th through 26th in 1952, uh, jets were alerted for what they called saucers in the Washington National and Andrews Air Force Base. They actually shut down traffic on and off for approximately a week. They couldn't explain it. Uh, November 23rd, 1996, CNN and Reuters reported a huge, what they described as a cigar-shaped UFO, and it was actually televised for 10 minutes. So, you know, those are just some of the things, and and there's more. But, you know, again, and I, I should cite that for uh, the the Roswell incident, I believe it's six different presidents, several different con- congressmen and women who tried to get at the heart of the information, and they could not, whether it was through the CIA and NASA. They could, as a president, they couldn't break it down. That's how tightly guarded a lot of this information is. So I wanted to look at some what I would consider very credible witnesses um, and, and I'm talking about some astronauts, and some of them you you should know, I, you know, if you know your history and others. Um, I, I think if I talk about their their exploits or their missions, you you would know. So I, I found 13 astronauts confirm a UFO or a UAP 
uh, after or during their missions. NASA is covering up what really happened in Roswell. Ed, Ed Mitchell, Apollo 14, uh, April 9, 1996, in Dateline, the program Dateline by NBC. Astronaut Gordon Cooper, May 15, 1963, the 22-orbit Mercury capsule. He saw a green UFO and was also simultaneously tracked by Australian radar. He testified before the UN and UFOs are visiting this planet in May of 1996. James Lavelle and Frank Borman, Gemini 7, 1965, the second orbit orbit of two. During the day flight, they saw a UFO. Walter Schirra, Mercury uh, uh, 8, 1968, uh, he first used the code Santa Claus near his capsule. Santa Claus was um, the, the expression that they would use that, hey, we spotted Santa Claus. And uh, that was actually released and confirmed by NASA that that was their code for saying unidentified flying object or aerial phenomena. So he was the first one to use it, but he testified that he did, in fact, see a UFO. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, uh, Apollo 11, July 1969, they saw lights on the crater and they reported that two large objects were watching them in their mission to the moon. John Blaha, veteran of five space shuttle missions. He was also the resident of the Russian Mir space station. On March 24, 1989, an amateur radio intercepted his call, and he said this, Houston, this is discovery. We still have the alien spacecraft under observation. You can find that audio recording online, and, and all of this information that I'm presenting to you, you can find online. So here you've got highly trained, highly educated um, astronauts that have given their lives, and, and I would say that they deserve the respect uh, or, or, or the the process of the information as being potentially credible. I think that, you know, they they don't have anything to gain outside of the potential of ridicule or chastisement by their peers. Um, UFO documentation. Let me get to this. So over 6,000 professional publications have been processed in English, 2,200 foreign publications, 1,350 related periodicals. Uh, There are 700 books processed on UFOs between 1650 and 1945, 300 books prior to 1650. So this is not something new. This has been recorded all around the world. Today, 57% of Americans believe in UFOs. 15% believe they have seen them. 1% to 3% of Americans claim they have had an abduction experience. I will get to that. I'm going to break that down very shortly. And then there's some reasons that we could potentially tie that to the Bible too, and I'll talk about that. Uh, Paradoxal behavior. These are notions contrary to received opinions. There are multiple competent witnesses. Let me cut to the video so you do see this. Uh, It's been plotted on radar, and in many occasions it's been plotted on different radars from different locations simultaneously, so it bore it out. Kind of, you know, if you had several witnesses, you have several different radar plottings. Uh, It leaves tangible traces on the ground. They've been photographed many, many times. Uh, Before before the release of these last military videos, uh, it was reported to be making excess of 6,000 miles per hour without sonic booms. So imagine going to 6,000 miles without a noise. Uh, They've been plotted making right angle turns at over 16,000 miles per hour, and they can materialize and dematerialize without a trace. And some of this has been captured on video. And again, when I get into the video after this, I'll I'll put some of those recordings on there so you see them. Um, I'm going to jump now to another topic related, crop circles. Everybody's kind of familiar with what crop circles are, but I found some interesting our research by a biophysicist, William Levengood, that I'll, I'll show you, and I'll, I'll show you in a second what he what he broke down. But again, I want to just emphasize: you can go online and you can see some clearly uh, man-made crop circles. It's obvious some things just kind of poke fun, face of a Martian stuff like that. There's uh, digitally enhanced photoshops and things like that, 
And there was even a group in the 1990s that intentionally created them. They recorded it so that they could release it as false information. So in other words, um, if, if you ascribe to the fact that crop circles were potentially a viable source from another planet or another galaxy or another beings, then by them releasing this man-made processed crop circles and the videos of it in the day in the dark of night, it kind of went, oh, see, it's a conspiracy theory. So it worked against you. And, and interestingly enough, um, you know, the CIA reports that they operate like that as well as other governments to kind of get you off gear. In other words, what is true, they'll poke fun of and they'll shed it in such a light that they'll, they'll um, disenf- what's the word? I don't want to say disenfranchise, but they'll disavow uh, your, your opinion because it won't longer be credible. So it, it's a way of kind of taking you off the mark. But I wanted to show you this too, and there's something else in this video, a slide that I just wanted to show you. Up top is Gilgal Raphaim, which is in the Golan Heights. This is not a crop circle, but it's in the shape of something that has been clearly created from the air. And why do I say that? Or at least made visible in terms of uh, how you process it from an aerial point of view. This was not discovered until the early 1990s, um, I think it was the early 90s. It was, yeah. And, and this was when Israel was able to take over the Golan Heights after the Six-Day War. So this goes back to the Nephilim, Genesis 6. And, and I've covered a little bit of this in the past. But I, I did want to point out that I find that very similar to some of the reported uh, crop circles and things that we've seen. So anyway, this biophysicist, this is some of the inf- information. He examined plants and soils from 250 crop formations, randomly selected from seven different countries. Samples and controls were provided by the Massachusetts-based BLT research team, directed by Nancy Talbot. She's also pictured here with uh, uh, William Levengood. Uh, But um, Levengood published over 50 papers in scientific journals documenting numerous changes in the plants from the formations. Most dramatic were grossly elongated plant nodes. In other words, there were knuckles on the stems and the expulsion cavities caused by the heating of internal moisture from exposure to intense bursts of radiation. Seeds from the plants and germinated in the lab showed significant alterations in growth as compared with controlled uh, 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 um, lab settings in 1994. A brown glaze over the plants was a pure iron. So they were able to identify iron that had formed over the plants and that it had been embedded with the plants while the iron was still molten. Tiny iron spheres were also found in the soil right by the plants. In 1999, British investigator Ronald Ashby examined the glaze through optical and scanning electron microscope. He determined that intense heat had been involved at approximately 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit. So... You know, think about it. How do you? How does a plant survive 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit? It doesn't, and yet you have a metal substance, iron, in this. So you know, this is clearly something that's way out of realm of anything that we know or can process. Um, there's other information here. You know, you can find it. But he, he here, here was the astounding was the direct correlation between the node length increase in the plants. There was increased crystallization in the soil's minerals, indicating a common energy source for both effects. Yet the scientists could not explain how this could be possible. Temperature required to alter soil crystallinity would be between 1,500 and 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Clearly, that would destroy the plants or anything that we could process today. So... You have these crop circles. You have these crop circles that have been examined by an independent source, highly credible scientists and and research labs, independent of one another, um, all backing up this information, all pointing this this stuff out that, again, defies anything that we have technology-wise. I'm going to jump again. Alien abductions. I know. It's crazy. There's a gentleman here uh, that cases will continue to... Even up until today, I would say up until the last six months, I believe there's been cases reported of alien abductions. But there's been some work that was done by John Mack, who is a uh, an MD, a 
Pulitzer Prize winning professor from Harvard. So this is a highly educated, highly respected gentleman. And this is an area of research that he really dedicated himself to. Uh, there are estimates of 1% to 3% of the population have been reported in professional journals. Implanting and harvesting of human fetuses appears to be the primary topic. Again, I know this sounds bizarre, but if you know Genesis 6, if you know the information of what happened with genetic mutations and why the flood came about in Noah's time, you can see the correlation or, or possibly a link. Um John Mack, he, he says this, the idea that men, women, and children can be taken against their wills, actually, let me put this on video for you so you see it, uh, from their homes, cars, schoolyards, by strange humanoid beings lifted into a spacecraft, subjected to intrusive and threatening procedures, is so terrifying and yet so shattering to our notions of what is possible in our universe that the actuality of the phenomena has been largely rejected out of hand or bizarrely distorted in most media accounts. This is altogether understandable <clears throat> given the disturbing nature of UFO abductions and our prevailing notions of reality. The fact remains, however, that for 30 years and possibly longer, thousands of individuals appear to be sincere, of sound mind, who are seeking no personal benefit from these stories. They have providing those who will listen consistent reports of precisely such events. So then he went on to an MIT uh, um, uh, abduction conference and he presented his information. And, you know, he reported too that these people who, who testified to these accounts were above average intelligence. They had no private account of any type of psychiatric history. And he says this, if what these abductees, and this is what he said to the MIT audience, if what these abductees are saying is happening to them is not happening, then what is? So he concluded his presentation with MIT, and he said he left them this challenge. There is a, there's five points he brought out. There is a high degree of consistency. There is absence of psychiatric illness. There are physical changes and lesions to, to these individuals. They are independently witnessed by others while abductions were taking place. Again, you have witnesses who saw these abductions, and the involvement in many cases of small children. Mac has worked directly with 76 cases himself. So he's dedicated, you know, a very large portion of his life to this. So, you know, again, I'm just trying to build a case that th th there's a lot of information that you have to look at. Again, nothing to do with the Bible at all. We will be getting to the scriptures in, in a couple of minutes, but let me just show you this too. Uh, President Barack Obama, there is footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know what they are. Headlines from just a year ago, this is, as I'm presenting this to you in the summer of 2022, this happened in June of 2021. Here are the headlines. U.S. government releases long-awaited UFO report. The Pentagon admits to 400 UFO sightings and 11 encounters. It shows video proof at the congressional hearings. Released videos of U.S. naval fighter jets, pilots said to defend the law, pilots said defied the laws of physics. So again, here you have all this information. It's presented online. It's presented in newspapers, magazines. Uh, the President Obama, in, in, in an interview, pretty much, you know, concluded this. So again, I think adding more credibility. So I wanted to get into something that was reported by and, and seen on video that I'll, that I'll show in the, in the next video. But in, 20, in 2004, off the coast of San Diego, uh, the USS Nimitz Carrier Strike Group had a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier and other vessels such as nuclear submarines. It was a joint military uh, or pretty much a naval uh, um, engagement. They were conducting workups with the escorts of ships and aircraft with radar picking up weird anomalies. An object coming in from 80,000 feet and in less than a second hovering 50 feet above the water. So I just kind of want to, you know, get that picture. They see it on radar. They verify it 80,000 feet. And a second later, it's 50 feet above the water. You know, man cannot, it's just not capable. So Commander Dave Fravor, who... Um, 
you know, he's he's you know one of these uh, um, uh, pilot trainers, you know, if you will. It's kind of similar to the to the Tom Cruise movie. So this is a guy who's been at this for many many years. He trains pilots, he trains uh, people, and he's in the F eighteen. He sees this, so he goes in with another pilot to engage what this is, and they notice water begins to bubble, so they kind of swoop down as they see this. They describe a white tic-tac about 40 feet long with no windows. The control surfaces or wings start to bounce around like a ping-pong ball. This is his description. It then commences with evasive maneuvers at equal distance from the F-18, and then it disappears over the horizon in less than a second. So picture as the the pilots are going in on their F-18s and they're, they're they're making maneuvers, and the reaction on the other side is they're following the maneuvers, but keeping at that same distance. So whatever it was, let's say, and I'm making the number up, I don't know, let's say it's 1,000 feet. They're staying exactly at 1,000 feet in parallel with the actions that the F-18 is taking. Five seconds later, the object is picked up on radar 60 miles away, Here's the other compelling thing. It is at the rendezvous point of what these this aircraft was supposed to be at. So somehow or another, it knew where this aircraft was supposed to land. Um, there's something called the gimbal video. When an aircraft banks, it drops in elevation. And, and you see this on the video. So picture the acceleration of this craft, right? And, and it... And as you do it, and as you turn and bank, and you would know this when you fly in a plane, you do a little dip, you know, depending upon the altitude and the pressure, you know, some more than others. But, you know, you, you, that, that's just, that's physics. That's, that's, that's gravity taking over. So as you're accelerating, boom, you're going up, and it, and it kind of balances. I don't know the exact terminology. This continues to accelerate in speed and, and does this, but continues to go. It doesn't bounce. It, got, it does not go down. So it, it, it's, it's turning, but it's still accelerating at the same time, which no aircraft that we have is, is capable of doing that. Um, and it, it, it reports that it was going to elevate at 120 knots against the wind. So the wind's coming down. It's going up. It's, it's maneuvering, but it's still accelerating. There is no dip there at all. The other fascinating thing, and I want you to remember this when we get into scripture, it reports on there, Fraber and, and, and the other gentleman, he says, because you only see the one that he's engaged with, but he reports, and you hear this on the video, there's a whole fleet of them, a whole fleet. Now, define a whole fleet, I don't know, but you know that's what it is. So there was five observable observables that we can take from the military engagements, and they are this. I'll cut to the video for this too. Uh, instantaneous acceleration. So it can go from zero to over a thousand miles per hour instantaneously. It has hypersonic velocity, low observability. There is a transmedium travel. What does that mean? The ability to operate in multiple environments or domains. And it's anti-gravity. I kind of broke that down. The ability to fly with no wings, control surfaces, no obvious signs of propulsion, not even a cockpit. So picture this. Fraber, he's engaging this. He sees this. He sees this, all this. And he doesn't see any wings. He doesn't see a cockpit. He doesn't see anything that is processing it. But yet it's following and it's mirroring his moves. So, you know, I, I found that fascinating. Last, I'm just going to conclude with... Um, the James Webb Telescope just came out, published, I think, yesterday or two days ago. Uh, it was released in, this month in July 2022. It, it enables us to see the farthest into the galaxies that we've been able to um, and will continue to. And I, I just, you know, I wanted to break down two things. We can see one end of the galaxy to the other. It's 94 billion light years. So light traveling at 186,000 miles per second, the universe is so vast that if you started on one end and went to the other, it would take you 94 billion light years. That's how big the heavens are. That's how big this encompasses. That's what we can see. 
So, you know, what, what's beyond that, you know, I, I, I don't know. We know about the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. Uh, there are other reports and other things. I, I, I believe it's Levi from, and I, and I can't swear to this. This was, but it was picked up in the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think he said there was 12 dimensions. Um, but again, it's not scriptural, but I did find it interesting that um, it was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But also consider this. 1940s, 1950s was just the beginning of the jet age. That's about 75 years ago. So we were just coming to terms with understanding the atom and, and think how much further we've come in the increase in knowledge. And, you know, does, does that point to what we see with Daniel? I don't know. You know, Daniel's uh, uh, mention of the increase of knowledge in the, in the last days. Maybe, uh, you know, knowledge has continues to double and triple and quadruple um, over the years. I mean, it used to be generations, and now it's like, you know, a year, two years. So let me jump into some scripture um, as, as, as I wind this down. I'm going to go to Ezekiel 1. There's a famous vision in there. I'm going to read the whole chapter, but I want to break it down. Um, it's, it, well, I'm just, follow me here. Um, I'm going to put it on video so you see this. Now it came to pass in the 30th year in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month as I was among the captives of the river Shabar, there were heavens opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's uh, captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Shabar, and of the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Okay, I've got some highlights here for you. So in yellow. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Also from it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of man. Each had four faces. And I go forth. This, I, I will say, you know, side note, this strongly resembles the four creatures defined in or um, explained or, or described, I, I, yeah, I guess, in Revelation 4. Whether they're the exact four, I can't say. There's slight deviations. Uh, but I, I, I think at the very least, you, you know, there's classifications, gradings of angels and different assignments. These would be of the same hierarchy, same, same level. Um, but here's where I wanted to go. Verse 12. And each one went straight forward. They went wherever their spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. As for the likeness of the four of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. So there's fire involved is what he's describing as torches. And remember, so Ezekiel is probably right around 600 B.C. or so. Um, so this is this is what he's describing uh, with with his understanding of the surroundings. So and I want to say that first and foremost. So when they describe these things, they're describing it from their natural um, familiar familiarity. It's easy for me to say. I'll give you an instance. He describes a wing or wings, and and you can see this in other parts of the Bible. If I say somebody says to me, well, you know, the wing, I might think of an airplane wing. Uh, it's probably where I would go. But that's, they wouldn't know that. So I just, you know, kind of understand that they would be limited in their language or their descriptions based upon what their observability is. Um, so the fire was bright and out of the fire went lightning. And the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. So flash of lightning, speed of light. Boom, that's how quick it happens. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature with its four faces. So I, I've read this scripture so many times over the years, but now I have to pause say, and go, oh, why a wheel? Why, why do angels need wheels? And, and I've been guilty of this. And I think of an angel and, you know, you think of spiritual beings and then kind of zip in, zip out, do whatever they need to, flick of a hand, you know, not flick of a hand, but you get the idea, you know, our impression. But this is telling me there's objects 
and potentially, I would say, technology. Is it out of the realm of possibility that technology is involved in heaven? I don't think so. And I think that technology would blow away anything that we would have. So I found it interesting right off the bat that a wheel is involved. I'm going to continue. Um, I'll, I'll cut to the video so you see this. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of a barrel and all had the, the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. So it's describing their workings. They're working the wheels. They're describing. Uh, so th there's there's inertia. There's energy. There's um, uh, there's motion. And now it says there's a wheel inside the wheel. So how do we, pro we might say a gyroscope. That might be something you would say today if, if, if you saw that. But now this is the vision. This is what, what Ezekiel is seeing. So, you know, again, and the workings and the wheels and this motion and fire and propulsion. And the, when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels get lifted up. The wheels were lifted up. I'm sorry. Living creatures were lifted up from the earth. The wheels were lifted up. So the creatures go up and the wheels go up. So, and, and, and I'm going to show you some artistic renditions in a second. Whenever the spirit wanted to go, they went because, they, because there the spirit went. And the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When those went, these went. When they stood, these stood. When those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together. And for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Um, and then under the firmament, their wings spread out straight. Again, you, you know, he's seeing that. Are we talking about angel wings or is there something else in, involved here? One toward one another. Each one had two which covered one side. Each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings. Hmm, makes you wonder. Like the noise of many waters. So many waters, it it's obviously has volume, it has power, it has you know, low frequencies behind it. Like the voice of the Almighty. So if it's the voice of the Almighty, it's thunderous. It's you know, probably you know, what I would describe as baritone in my limited processing. Uh, atonement like the noise of an army. He's describing noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament was, uh, that was over their heads. Whenever they stood, they let down their wings. So we've got wings. We've got noise. We've got up and down motion. We've got a wheel within a wheel. We've got motion. They're working the wheels. They're doing things. The angels are processing. There, there's work involved. There's energy, inertia. All of these things are happening in this description. So I would say to you that is there, there's technology, what I think is being described here, that we, well, I, I'll just say for myself, I hadn't really looked at it this way until I started processing some of the things that I've been hearing and, and my imagination, not crazy imagination, just trying to process what I knew in front of me. So let me show you this. Hopefully, um, if you are on video, these are five different artist renditions uh, of what I found online of their description of Ezekiel 1. And you see these things, and they very much look like some type of potentially a UAP of sorts that, you know, and this is just their imagination, five different artists, five different things they came up with. But I would say that that makes you think a little bit. So at, at least it did for me. And, you know, hopefully you get the idea um, that I certainly see the vastness and the depth and the richness of the universes and the galaxies and, and everything. And that now think about also think about Jesus. Jesus in, in the resurrection would appear and disappear in and out, um, traveling, you know, instantaneously great distances. And we've always attributed to, or I have anyway, to being in a different dimension, a dimension that we wouldn't understand or process. And, and hopefully down the road, I'll, I'll get into some of that. Um, so, 
you know, when I see some of these things dipping in and out and all of a sudden it's here, it's not here. And some of these things just kind of dip in the water and you don't see them again. So I wanted to just close with two other scriptures that, that again, I found interesting. Three, Second uh, Kings 2, 6 through 12. Some of this you may be familiar with. Um, this is about Elijah and Elisha. But he said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance, while the other two, two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took up his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, it was divided this way, and so the two of them crossed on dry ground. And so it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away? So he knows he's going to be taken away. And he knows the office of the prophet that he has. And he says, what would you, what would you have from me? So Elisha says, please a double, uh, let a double portion of your spirit come on me. So this was his answer. So he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be for you. But if not, it shall not be. Then it happened. As they continued on and talked, that suddenly a chariot of fire with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went like a whirlwind into heaven. And, you know, I always, you know, you process, you chariot, you think, okay, Angel's got his, his two horses and his whip, and he's coming down from heaven, and come on, you know, jump in, and there's fire in the back of it, you know, kind of blow but think about all of this now. You have angels appearing out of nowhere with the, 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 the mission to, to, to pick him up and to take him to heaven, and he'll never taste death. Um, unless you believe he's one of the two witnesses in Revelation, but that's another story, which I do, by the way. Um, but I, I just, I, I find it compelling that we're describing angels, and we're just, and I have to remember. You have to remember that all of what I'm describing are the good angels, and and meaning, you know, angels that serve the Lord, obey the Lord, have missions from directed from the Lord. So, you know, my question is, why was a chariot needed, and why a chariot of fire and horses? So that means there was a device to help the angels travel, that they didn't necessarily travel on their own. There was something there, whether you believe it's the Mr. Red Horse or not, which I don't. I think, you know, something far more spectacular, fire, propulsion, something magnificent appeared and, and, and took Elijah. So I, I, I want you to remember that because I'm going somewhere with another story in, uh, in, in Second Kings, which I'm going to get to. So, you know, there are traveling devices coming out of heaven is, is how I described it. Um, there's also something that I, I found interesting in Zechariah 5, 1 through 2. It says, Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, What do you see? So I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits and its width is 10 cubits. So if you break that down into our math, that's 30 by 15 feet. It's pretty sizable. Um, so you know, what does that mean? But but again, it's it's flying, it's an object, it's things that are going on in the heavens, in the galaxies that are, are they, they materialize, they move, they have energy, they have inertia, they, they, uh, they, they have space, they have dimension to it. <clears throat> so all, you know, I, I guess I'm asking, you know, start to, <coughs> I'm sorry, you know, look at some of these scriptures potentially, maybe in a new way. Um, I want to just kind of close with another scripture, 2 Kings 6, 8 through 18. And this is, I'm going to read this whole portion, so bear with me. As a matter of fact, I'll put it on screen for you. Um, this was the blinded Syrians captured. And I'm going to read this all because you, you'll, you'll see where I'm going. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. The man of God sent to the king of Israel saying, beware that you do not pass this place for the Syrians are coming down there. So he knew. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him and he was a watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled. He called his servants and said, will you not show me which of us 
uh, is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord. O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots. So these are what we know as man-made, you know, horses of, of what we know on the earth. And he sent the horses and the chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God arose and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, and he said this. This is his prayer. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see, that the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw this. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So picture that there's an army of angels that, you know, the, the man's eyes were opened and he, and he saw what, 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 what Elisha knew and saw in the spirit. So this, so, you know, the previous scripture I showed you, the, the account of the horses and chariots, but now you've got this onslaught. You've got this army of angels and, and you know, eventually they, they went on to the, to the victory and you can see it in the, in the last there, again, Second Kings 6, 8 through 18. But the horses, the chariots, the fire, the magnificence and splendors, and I go back to this. Remember what Commander Fraber said when he reported this. He said, I see a whole fleet of them. So he was seeing something that I will say right now, I'll, I'll, I'll come out. I believe that this, these are demonically um, driven and, and, and induced angels and, and spiritual wickedness that we know, as, as it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and princes of the air. Um, why they are all materializing, and we're seeing more and more of it, more of it being pushed to the forefront, I, I believe... I'll show you in the next video some of the reasonings behind it and, and what we can find in Scripture. Um, but what I want to concentrate on, I just laid out for you several different Scriptures of what, again, I remind you of what the good angels are. So who is Satan? Satan is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's an imitator. Everywhere we look, you know, and, and it goes on to what we'll see in the tribulation where there'll be, you know, he mocks the Trinity and he presents a false Trinity. Everything he does, he try, he, he, he imitates. Um, it's a forgery. So what I would suspect, based upon when I look at some of these scriptures, that he knows the technology, he understands it, but he is not God, that he's not omnipotent, and he can't just materialize as, as the Lord can. So he has technology. He has things at his disposal. He is the prince of this air, if you will. Um, so, the, you know, this is the battle for mankind is really what it's going to come down to. And you are the number one enemy. You, you know, the listener, the viewer. Um, so I, I think there's a counterfeit that's happening. Are they real? And, and we're going to get into uh, a lot of this, especially with the alien abductions. I'm going to compare some things of what we read of accounts versus what we see in Genesis. Um, but I would just say this. Let me just close with this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. There's nothing here that we need to be afraid of. But I did want to point out something here that Luke 10, 17 through 18. This is Jesus. Then the Lord, the 70, Jesus sent out the 70, and they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I want you to think, as we talked about lightning in the earlier scripture, lightning, light, 186,000 miles per second. So he said, Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. So this goes to velocity. So the velocity is the Lord throws uh, Satan from, from, from the heavens 
at 186,000 miles per second. So here you have this cherub that hits the earth. I don't know how far that was, but the velocity of the speed and the distance joining with the solid object of the earth, I believe that is what we see in Genesis 1-2, that where there was dark, the earth was dark and void, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And I'm going to touch on, on some of this. We see today canyons, miles long, that was hit by some type of objects. And um, it sometimes you'll see something as small as, I don't know, a basketball, a volleyball, a bowling ball, something like that. But it's the velocity of what it comes. And, 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 and I'm a bit of a baseball junkie. I love baseball. So if you're familiar with, and if you're an animal lover, I am too, but so pardon the, the description. But Randy Johnson, one of the greatest fastball pitchers in Major League history, throws a ball at a batter and a bird just happens to be crossing at the same time. He's throwing from 60 feet, 6 inches. He's 6'10", so really it's that much closer by the time his left arm comes down and he releases it, so it's probably, you know, 50-some-odd feet, and it's traveling 100 miles an hour, and the bird, unfortunately, is flying by, and he just gets crushed and just explodes, like the body of the bird and the feathers goes everywhere. My point is the velocity of which... Satan was thrown from heaven, I think needs to be considered, and that's the God that you serve. So, you know, the, the Lord is for you, so who can stand against you? So all of these things that I'm describing, and when we get into the things about UFOs or UAPs and, and things that we may not readily understand or process, it is nothing to fear, and there is nothing new under the sun. This is not anything new that, you know, that takes the Lord by surprise at all. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you that I believe that we can look to the past to show us what was in the future. And, and just as the scripture says, you know, the Lord speaks the end from the beginning. I believe that, that we'll see this in this next video, and I'll show you some things there. Um, so just remember this, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So I, I hope I presented this in a fashion that you can process and, and, and consider um, none of this should be confusing. If it is confusing to you, then I've not done my job, so I'll apologize. I, I wanted to present this to you as something that you can reconcile the two things. You can recon reconcile some of these unidentified objects, some of the phenomenon that we've seen, some of the things that defy um, our technology, anything that we're possibly even remotely capable of. This is far beyond anything mankind could ever process. However, it is in the realm of, of, of considerations, and I believe I, I've given you some examples of how and why that would be used, uh, you know, from Scripture. So hopefully, um, hopefully I, I presented that okay. I, I, I tried to um, lay the foundation for where I want to go in this next video. So I want to thank you again for listening. Um, again, as always, email russicoutlook at gmail.com. Questions, comments, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and, and also any prayer requests that you have, uh, I, I'm happy to do so. And, and uh, you know, I just love, I love the Word of God, and I, and I love, you know, b discovering new things in the Word. So hopefully you may feel the same. Uh, I just want to thank you for your time. My name is Mark. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.